0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: I'm Ilia Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudla. I'm Jesper Dion. I'm Henry Laxa. I'm Francisco Cerundolo. And you're listening to the Games of Love Loco. podcast. Okay. Welcome back, tennis fans. It is the final of the US Open. We have finally got there. And it wasn't with some highs, some lows, some correct predictions, some terrible predictions. But ultimately, we have possibly the two best players on tour and they're fighting it out for number one in the rankings as well that's right it is mr five setter himself carlos alcaraz in the final after a dramatic victory over francis tfo last night you probably saw me uh, with my head in my hands, in disbelief that it was going to five again, struggling through the last remaining games, just willing Alcaraz to win. And he did so uh, and in an impressive fashion. And we have Casper Rood, more comfortable in his route to this final. But there's part of me thinking Alcaraz is going to have everybody on his side in this final.
0: Well, I thought you had your head in your hands because you was exhausted more than anything. We've <laughs> yeah, no, had no. a long few days. <laughs> we are coming to the end. Two more matches left of the US Open. We'll be having the women's match later on tonight, so make sure to join us. Go check out the preview I did on that yesterday, I believe. Um, and today we are going to be doing the men's preview. And as Ben said, Carlos Alcaraz, Casper Ruud. I don't agree with him saying that are the two, two of the best players this year. Alcaraz, certainly. Casper Ruud. You could make a case because he got to a Roland Garros final. He's got to many other finals and potentially could be world number one. So exactly. what you're saying is factually correct. But I just don't feel that Kasper Rude is a world number one candidate, uh, despite the amount of points he's obviously picked up. But that's my thoughts. I'm open to listening to anyone else's opinions on that. Shout out to M's who's in the live chats. And I love yeah, yeah. both of these guys. And the fact that they're both going for the first slam and number one tomorrow is amazing. Talking about us? Right? Um, no, not oh, us. Okay. <laughs> uh, shout out to you, David, as well saying, hello people. Glad to see a more energized Ben here. Yeah. Ben's got some energy. I mean, I, I have completely collapsed myself. It was, it was just terrible. Uh, Gary saying, looks like you got at least a little sleep battle for number one. Should be fun tomorrow, but hard to see how Carlos doesn't find a way to get it done. We're going to get into all the predictions. Me and Ben are energised. We had five, six hours sleep. Yeah. We played some tennis in the rain. Well, it wasn't raining the whole time. Nah, on um, and off. On and off. That was good. we had some bagels for breakfast. <laughs> ben had some bagels later on <laughs> as did. well. I
1: had more than one bagel today. That was for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the first one tasted a lot better than the others on court, I tell you. So- yeah.
0: Uh, but we're not here to talk about bagels. We might be Ooh. later on, because Eager's on. Make sure to join us. Nice little segue. Yeah. But we're talking okay. about the men. And these two are the ones in question. Kasparud versus Carlos Arcaraz going for world number one. I think there's only one man to start with, and that's Carlos oh, Arcaraz. Oh my word. Let's just quickly reflect on yesterday's <clears> match <throat> with TFO, because for me, it delivered on every single level. I know we missed Adikalasino, yeah. and it was sort of dubbed as one of the greatest matches in history of the U.S. Open. It was phenomenal. Two youngsters going at it. Yeah. T.F.O. though, he is a youngster himself. He's 24 years old, and the fight, and ability, and technique, everything he showed yesterday, for me, is just as good as watching the sister past Medvedevs. Yeah. Zverevs, if not better. I mean, the Amazing. shots he was able to pull off, and the fight, he saved a match point in the fourth set. It's- and despite how much it killed us because we was exhausted, <laughs> it, it was great. I'm In a way, I'm glad he did do that because he showed he's here to stay. He's not going to roll over on the big occasion. Yep. He wasn't the favourite going into that match. No. He had the support of the crowd. He had Michelle Obama watching on and he spoke about it in the press room afterwards, how yep. that made him feel so nervous. He sort of said he looked over at 2-1 down first set <laughs> uh, and he shanked one because he saw Michelle Obama, it made him very nervous. But it's on the extra. whole, I thought he handled the nerves so well. Very well. And on another day, playing against most other players, I think he beats them. Yeah,
1: most definitely. I thought he played incredibly well. To show the fight, the heart to come back from facing match point and then take in the fourth set in such dramatic fashion in front of such imposing figures that he well, admires so much. When he saw her st- in the stands, uh, Michelle Obama, he sort of, couldn't believe it and sort of just gave her a nod and she just gave him a nod back apparently and he was just thinking, oh my word, what's going on? So that probably inspired him a lot on court. And I just think his shot-making ability, it's never really been like in question how talented TFO is. It's just his consistency level with it. And to see him, I said it many times last night, to see him put it all together in one whole tournament in a grandstand was just something to behold. I really hope that he continues with like this rags-to-riches story and we get to see him deep in Grand Slams again uh, in the coming years. I just think that he's so good for the sport. He's a real character. He brings so much energy and positivity to tennis. And I I just really couldn't be happier for him that he's finally getting the recognition that he deserves.
0: Well, the big thing for me is in that third set, he completely crumbled. was it? 6-1? Six, yeah, two. six six one. Yeah, I think it was six six two. Was it not? six one? Definitely six one. Yeah, and he just it, well, we was talking. It could have been a bagel at one point. Yeah. and he looked completely out of it. And we're saying, oh, we're going to get our prediction spot on. There's no way he's going to come back and do yeah. well in the foot in the in the fourth set. And he managed to win that one. It
1: was incredible. Yet
0: again, another tiebreak. The king of the tiebreaks. Yeah.
1: 8-0 in the US Open. And
0: that was, for me, the most special part of it. But let's just talk about Alcaraz's chances. I know we've got a few tweets, so let's go through some of them. Yeah, And we heard from him as well. So you can see here, nice one visual from the US Open, saying the first of many for 19-year-old Carlos Alcaraz. And I agree with that 100%. We're going to see him in this in this situation many times to come. The first Grand Slam final. Kasperud, of course, has been to a Grand Slam final before. Um, but we're going to, honestly, it, well, we're going to go through some of the tweets. I don't want to get too over the top, but everything he's doing is tracking the likes of uh, a Bjorn Borg, yeah. a Rafael Nadal. He's amazing. The, 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 the greatest. Some of the best players ever. He's up there statistically with them, and what he's doing at this young age.
1: I don't even think just looking at his age does it justice. I think looking at how he's doing it is the. If you look back through uh, Carlos Alcaraz' highlight reel from the U.S. Open this year, it it probably be about ten minutes or fifteen minutes long. It's that exciting watching him play. He played every single match on Arthur Ashe in this tournament. They know he brings, like, the fire every single and the fight. Three five-set matches in a row he won. He brings drama. He brings excitement. Yes, he may have a few dips here along the way, but he's not playing schmucks on the court. He, He went to five sets three times with three incredible tennis players, and he came out in the fifth set each time looking... Like a man possessed, like he knew that, that he was gonna win. Yeah, that's the that's the difference. It's like we see it with the the best players, like your Federers, like your Djokovic, like your Nadal. Like that is what they do. They come out in the fifth and they're like, "This is what I was built for." Five sets of tennis, and I'm gonna take it to you in the fifth. And he did it to T.F.O. And I felt like there was only one man winning.
0: Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because we've got quite a few to get through. And this is from Carlos Aracolaz. He wrote on Twitter, never give up. See you on Sunday, New York City. And if you go down, we can see the image and what he had to say to TFO. It was extremely emotional from him. And he just didn't give up on any single point. Yeah, here we go. You can sit here. So, saying Big respect for you, Francis. Congrats for the tournament. Of course, he had a lot of respect for him. We saw him in the match against Sinner, signing autographs, and that was one of the latest matches in US Open history. Incredible. Approaching 3 a.m. Here, it was another late one, not as late, um, but still just the fight he has. There's not many balls. Well, there were so many times when I was doing the commentary yesterday and I was saying, oh, brilliant shot from TFO. Uh, No way he's getting there. And then he's there. Like before you finish your sentence, behind him, like you just see the ball going past Alcaraz. and before you know it, he's hitting the shot behind him, behind his back. I know he did that against Sinha. Yeah. There were situations today where he's dashing around, sliding around on the on the on the hard. He's court. Sliding so good. Just in terms of movement, I don't think I can recall someone who moves better on a tennis court than Carlos Alcaraz. You couple that with someone who will die for every single ball. It's he's played. A ridiculous amount of hours. I know. I mean, we're probably going to get on yeah, to well, it on the next will. one. Well, let's get There's quite a few. Um, you can see here look, f- round four, five sets, quarterfinal, five sets, semi final, five sets. Five five sets. Se- <laughs> and the next <laughs> one, you can see even more. Which look at this Carlos Alcaz, he spent 20 hours <laughs> and 29 minutes on court to reach the US Open final. That is a record for the maximum time spent to make a grand slam final in the open era. So not just the U.S. Open is, is it the re- a record across all of them? Yeah, just that's what that tweet says. Yeah. It's just bemusing. He's just played so
1: much—twenty hours. It's almost a day. <laughs>
0: He's almost spent an entire day on court, and that is this is what highlights it for me. He's played this amount of time on court, but yet. In that fifth set, really, we both said we're going to favour TFO now on the fifth. Surely.
1: Yeah, well, I said it early in the match. I said, this the goes to fit. He
0: beat Rublev in straight, <laughs> beating Nadal quite comfortably. But yet, Carlos seems to have some stamina and energy bigger than anyone. Yeah. And a lot of that, I think, is his heart desire. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's total desire. He has like the, some innate ability within himself where. I don't even, I think there must be pain. There must be some, everyone has self-doubt. Everyone hits the wall. It's how you deal with that and you push past it. We've seen it from the likes of people like Rafa. We see it from the likes of the greats. They have adversity and they they think, well, my hand is falling off. I'm still going to finish this match and I'm still going to not think about that pain until the match is over. And I feel that he does the same. He just keeps pushing. He keeps getting the crowd going and he's never defeated. No point in any match is Carlos Alcaraz out of the match because you can see how he runs everything down. I don't understand how he keeps getting the ball back in play. It doesn't make sense in my mind. When I saw that rally that keeps getting repeated today, where it went behind him, and he scampered back, got it back in play, and then the volley he slides into the net somehow, gets him to play another one, and then it goes behind him again. He somehow sprints back and hits a winner past TFO. I'm like, that's not that's not physically possible for a human being to do that. How is he doing it? I don't know. And Gene's saying. Carlos has barnic legs. I think he might. Is he the closest thing? Is he a robot or an alien? I said it last night. I don't know. He might be both.
0: Yeah, Sam K here says, Alcaraz never gets tired. Why? Very impressive. And as Paco says, only 19 years old. So crazy. (sighs) He is doing what we need, though, for the new era of tennis. He makes me excited. Very much so. There's some tennis players. I don't want to give too many names away and be disrespectful here. But you're not that excited to watch them. Let's be honest. They're just a bit dull. Say the it's name. It's the same. No, it's just the Told same them, old, same old. I'm not here calling up tennis players because they're a lot better than what we'll ever be. But, um, <laughs> but Carlos Alcraz is an exciting brand of tennis, great human being, and he's only young and doing it with some, I mean, in the company of some great players. Yes. Um, I think the next one talks about some of them. Alcaraz, do you like how I remember all them?
1: Well, yeah, you're good. Uh, good Memory better than mine. Yeah, that's so, for sure. <laughs>
0: We've got Jose Morgado in here saying Adcaraz, the new Spanish number one, already confirmed to be for now, uh, the fourth youngest top two in history of the ATP tour. And you can see here wow. Becca 18 years, nine months, Borg 18 years, 10 months, Nadal, 19 year, one month, and Adcaraz. Only three months behind Rafa there in 19 years, four months. With Safin 20 years, seven months. So wow. not a bad five players to be in the company of. And he's wow. just there behind Rafa. He's doing special things. And this is just for him to be in the top two. I don't know what the stat is to be the top. Like if he was able to win this final against Kasparud, well, we'll he's going to be. Uh, yeah, we'll have to. We'll, I'm sure there'll be new tweets be new things be. to find new out. That's coming. Probably he's going to be right up there again, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh it's going to be very very interesting to see where he's listed in like the youngest ever grand slam men's champions that type of thing obviously we know there are a lot younger like people like becker winning wimbledon and stuff but he was still going to be in an elite list if he manages to get it done that's for sure being a teenager
0: yeah for sure um there was one here I wanted to read. So M saying I like Carlos's manner too. Think that makes him an even greater player. And Gary, they're yeah. saying, I agree with that. And Gary's saying the big three could all scamper around the court back in the day. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. It's not just Carlos after <laughs> yeah, that exactly. he's been able to do this. You've got to remember when Rafa was burst onto the scene, Djokovic as well. I mean, Djokovic's movement now is moving now It's pretty yeah. incredible. Um, but what we're so what's so amazing by it is that he seems to be following their footsteps. And he is someone who's capable of producing matches of tennis where you watch it and you think, wow, they play a different sport to everyone else on tour. And Alcatraz has the ability to do that. You can't say the same about a lot of other players. No, And a lot of these big servers, the serve-bomb style players who rely on just the serve, I don't think necessarily their model of playing... Is a sustainable? Well, I don't even in- think at the top yeah. to win so many Grand Slam titles. Because if you have comes... a bad day with a servant, which is yeah. possible, then
1: what? Well, I don't even think you're useless. I don't even think it puts bums on seats though either. And that's the that's, thing: you yeah. don't become as popular playing that style of tennis. No. And the one thing that is great about this U.S. Open that we have got to well got to see from Alcaraz is he's had two young players: Yannick Sinner and Francis TFO, like push him to become better and that's what we need in the new breed of tennis players bouncing off each other tfo will have learned so much from this tournament yannick sinner as well was match point against Alcaraz. put that into perspective these if those three players add in maybe some other ones if musetti le- like ups his level he becomes like a real like threat at grand slams eventually there's so many like potential matchups that could be very interesting I would sign me up all day for another Alcalaz CNO or Alcalaz cfo I'm telling you, like th- those type of matches, they give me the vibes of like the next sort of generation of big threes or big fours, or we need that little yeah. click who keep pushing each other to the next level because one player on their own, it's not going to be that interesting. If Alcalaz is just leaps and uh, well, bounds above everyone, it's only going to be interesting if there's somebody making him, Get well, these he needs to be results. pushed
0: on, and that's what will yeah. make him play better and better. Exactly. I think Sin is a prime example, yeah. With TFO though, the jury's still out, he's had a great event. Yeah, is he going to be able to follow it up now?
1: I hope so. That's what
0: I'm waiting for. Can he follow it up? I've seen in the past he has a good event, yeah, and then he's terrible for the next six months. Well. Let's be honest with it, he's not that consistent. Mm. And this is why a lot of people in the live chat were cheering for Francis yesterday yeah. because they looked at him and thought this could be maybe the last opportunity that TFO gets in a situation like this. You never know. You don't actually know. With Alcraz, you kind of do know that he's going to be I would be...
1: This upward trajectory. I mean, it? I'd
0: eat my hat if he's not in a Grand Slam final again.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'd do more than that. <laughs> I'd probably, I don't know, I'd eat a whole barrel of hats <laughs> if he's not in a Grand yeah. Slam final again. It's, it's just, it's a destiny for Carlos Alcaraz. I think that we oh, can Oh, sorry, agree let's in.
0: read this one because we've yeah. not done it. So the 2022 US Open final will be a rematch of the Miami final between Alcaraz and Rude. It will also decide the world number one. And the last time in the calendar year where the U.S. Open men's final was the same as the Miami final was 2012. Andy Murray avenged Novak Djokovic in that one. Oh, wow. So it was quite interesting. I thought it was a good tweet to bring up. Yeah. So last time, as we know, Adkaraz beat Rude at Miami. So does that mean we're going to see history (laughs) repeating itself and Rude defeating Adkaraz in this U.S. Open final? Oh, he does. Have... Is, is Rude going to do an Andy Murray?
1: He does have some stuff on his side. The only thing that he doesn't have on his side is he's played only other only ever one grand slam final against another Spaniard, and he lost. Yeah. But it was the greatest clay player of all time, and on clay <laughs> at his favorite <laughs> tournament. Yeah. Alcaraz, I don't know. He's played a lot of tennis. I don't, I'm not ever going to question him ever again about how much tennis he can play. He probably play fifty hours, and he'd be <laughs> fine. So I'm not even going to say that. But the what, the manner that Rude's been winning, been more convincing. I'd say that. That is probably something that you need to take into account. I don't think... I don't know. I'm not going to make predictions yet.
0: But, but let's go on to that. So get on to the next one. Because if it's the correct one, it's great. So you're saying it's more convincing. This is working perfectly. They're all in order and everything. <laughs> but this is, the, this is maybe why they've been more con- uh, convincing, Ben. Kasparov, this is his route to the Grand Slam final here. Nice. Round one, he played six hundred and one. Round Oof. two, one hundred and seventeen. Round three, thirty four. Round four, one hundred and twelve. Quarterfinal number fourteen, and semi-final thirty one. So, Kasparov, he's not played anyone. No one in the top. He's not 10. played. He's only played one player inside the top thirty to get to a Grand Slam final.
1: Yeah, I mean, doesn't happen often, does it?
0: That's insane. That is truly insane. I mean, the average of the player he's played, I don't know if it says lo- lower down. <laughs> I think the 600 is going to
1: like. The, the 600 is
0: a bit of a. It's to be like
1: 300 in the world. Just right. keep going down.
0: Just keep going down to the bottom. All right. Uh, yeah, so both are into a Grand Slam final and not having to face any player in the top 10. Yeah, I don't want to highlight that. All Let's right. just focus on the fact that Alcaraz has played a lot better opponents and Casper Rood if you go up a little bit. Hasn't played anyone great. I mean, I don't know the average of them numbers, but probably about 100.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously you see the numbers there. Alcalais hasn't played anybody outside the top 100. So yeah. he's, he's on does... top
0: of route, So he's more warm coming into this one than a Casper Root.
1: Yeah, I mean, just based upon the level of the tennis, I haven't really seen a whole highlight reel of Roode's matches coming around Twitter or anything. But Alcaraz seems to be setting the world on fire and everybody can't stop talking about Carlos Alcalaz. And he is the odds-on favourite for the final, which are uh, like a 1.47. Oh,
0: interesting. We've got oh. Liam asking who are the opponents, though, for Kasparu. Well, And let's go through you. his route that's now. That's it.
1: That's what I was just bringing up. So we had, in the first round, we had uh for... Well, it was Kyle Edmund. I don't know if we can class... Oh, that's it. the
0: 600. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, a, that's the a, outlier.
1: It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, Kyle Edmund just coming back from like, a long term... No, it's injury. an easy match. Let's yeah, be
0: honest. Easy match. Van Rathofen, I think that's a tougher one. His yep. rankings um, lower than what he should be. Tommy Paul... A hit and miss, not convinced. Mutet, I think that's a winnable one. Berrettini, good player, but not in the best of form. And Hatchinoff. it's not a bad route at all. So ultimately is taking advantage. Like Berrettini's of the, the
1: only one really and he didn't turn up. No.
0: Yeah. And it was straight sets as well. So I'm not dismissing anything Kasparud's done, but it is important to have a look at his route. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next one.
1: Just to, Well, just to confirm who Alcaraz had as well, just so oh, that right, we can okay. just be in the... uh Fair enough. In the, well, in the eyes of fairness. Uh We had Sebastian Byers, We had uh Federico Collier, just having all Argentinians to start his tournament. And then he had Brooksby. That, you'd think it would be tougher in America, but he did straight sets. So he didn't drop a set for the first three rounds. Then he thought... Well, it's just boring not dropping sets, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to go on five sets for the next three rounds. So, yeah, then we obviously know the next one's Chilich, Sinner, and TFO. So, obviously playing a Grand Slam champion in Chilich from 2014 at the US Open as well. So, we know how good Chilich is. Not anyway, on to the next tweet.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting one because, as you all know, this is not just a Grand Slam title at stake is also world number one status. So I thought it would be interesting just to see the points distribution of Rude and Alcaraz because they've both got the opportunity to become world number one and both in very different ways they've been able to gain their points. You can see here uh, the Norwegian Kasper Rude first he's got 41% of his points Mm. from Grand Slams, 29% from Masters, 17%. This is the big one from ATP 250s. <laughs> That's a big um, chunk. That. And considering you don't get many points from 250s, he has been really cleaning up. Racking
1: and, them up. Isn't he's
0: got the nickname, the ATP 50 King. He's a bit of a merchant picking up the points there, but fair enough. He got quite a few from the ATP finals, uh, which he didn't really do anything in, but you gained so many points. Same with the ATP Cup at the bottom. I mean, them combined, you're looking at, what, 9% of his overall. Yeah. And, I think he had to. all he had to do was turn up and lose. Um, ATP, 500, 3%, and that totals 5,850. If we go down and look at Alcaraz's, the difference is 44% with Masters, so a lot on the Masters front. Uh, quite a few in the ATP 500, so 24.9%. Slams, 27. Hardly any from ATP 250, and nothing from ATP Cup, nothing from ATP Final. So it yeah. seems that Alcaraz... Is gained a lot more points towards the but higher...
1: Better body of work. He's got said. a better
0: body of work behind yep. the points, for sure. There's obviously a lot of Masters. Almost 50% have been in Masters. He's done. He's really well, he's flourished in the Masters year, events. Um, not so many slams as Rude, but of course, Rude did get to the final role on Garros, so that's yep. really helped him out. And a lot on the ATP 500s. And as we know, some of them ATP 500 draws have been a bit like Grand Slams recently. They've been tough.
1: Yeah, I mean... You think about some of the matches that he's had this year as well. I don't even have to list them all. We know that he has come up against and he's defeated Djokovic and people like that when Djokovic was looking like somebody that you probably couldn't be. Like that match was so close. Remember it when we were in Zagreb? Yeah. And it was an incredible one. It was like that was a sort of like a, I wouldn't say changing of the guard, but like arriving on the scene. Yeah. More like I know we knew he was good. But that when you take out or sort of start challenging Nadal and Djokovic like he has this year, then we really have to sit up and take notice of Alcalaz. Uh, he's done a great job.
0: Yeah, looking at the next one here Gil Gross, friend of the podcast. Uh, just speaking a little bit about Rude. So we've got some Rude tweets coming up and his last opponent in the semi final. Um, we had Adkas play TFO and Rude played Hatchinov. The, su- the surprise package, let's be honest. We wasn't anticipating. Yeah. Hatchinov, to get this far, um, could have even made a Grand Slam final, which is insane. he beat Kyrgios, And this is something we really is interested in because Rude, as we know, is a very, very good server. We've often joke calling him a bit of a serve bot, but he's only six foot tall, which in tennis terms is probably smaller than average, it seems, or the average height. Yeah. Hatchinov. Yeah. Uh, six foot six yeah. and rude averaged a uh, quick on the first serve speed at a very healthy 118 mile an hour that's impressive he's really become one of the best pound for pound servers out there that's nuts that so enough. a bit of boxing <laughs> terminology in terms of a pound for pound server rude being a six foot tall guy averaging 118 is pretty good but i would probably say tfo yeah pound for pound Maybe he's better because I kind of don't know how tall TFO is. I would probably go with about six foot as well, but I would say he's max. pretty similar. Yeah, I don't think he's
1: any taller than it he might even be like 5'10. let uh oh, click on the side, yeah, but it's 188.
0: I don't know what yeah, that is. if you click
1: in his thing, his uh Wikipedia, it'll go to there. He goes there, just click that, it'll give you it in the 6'2. Six six so
0: he is a bit taller, fair okay. enough. Okay,
1: I thought he so was So maybe you
0: so can maybe rude is because he's. Six foot, then, is it even feels like TFO is smaller, doesn't it? I think they're all so tall. It's
1: quite, I think it's because no. his width, TFO, he's so yeah. s- like stacked with muscle. It yeah. looks like he's shorter than he is because maybe he just doesn't have a neck because he's got so much muscle there. I don't know that he just seems overly muscular for a tennis player like Francis TFO, but seemed to work for him this tournament, didn't it? But... Yep,
0: yeah. looking at the next one, we've got uh, Luigi Gatto clipping from the press room. And this is Rude speaking about after Roland Garros. Um, he said, I was extremely happy, but at the same time, humble enough to think that that could be my only Grand Slam final in my career. Casper uh, Rude is a very nice man on tour. We know there was a few issues with him and Holger Rune not too long ago yeah, yeah. in the dressing room. And Holger Rune saying all these things about Rude, shouting in his face. I don't really buy much of it because Rude does come across as one of the good guys in tennis. Um he is a great tennis player. I know some people in the live chat often think I'm not a big fan of him but probably some of the comments I've made today. It's not that I'm a big fan of him. I'm just, a, I really am obsessed a little bit with Alcaraz at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's just something about his style of playing, the way he's playing. It's difficult not to get too You're
1: drawn, in, too drawn yeah, in. You are though. I'm, I'm massively drawn not. in
0: and that's that's the truth of it. With Kas Ben will tell you, I've always been a big fan, especially for the fact that he comes from the Rafael Nadal Academy. Um, and I like the fact that he is a very humble guy as well. I did uh, send him a tweet about a few months ago and he replied to me, which was nice. Yeah. So Casper Rude.
1: Very nice.
0: He He's not stupid. Getting to a Grand Slam final is one of the toughest things to do in sport. And really there's no is. God given right that if you're a top 10 player, that you'll ever reach there. I was nope. going to say top 100, but top 10. Top 10, nice. You can be I a top guarantee. 10 for the rest of your career and never make a grandstand final. Easily. He's already made one this year. Now he's doing another one. He's got not to take... Me, not me. He's got to take... No, not him. Has Rude. Not me. And now he's going to have to take one of these opportunities because he doesn't know when the next one's going to come. However, I do think, like I said of Alcadas, we are going to see Rude in another grandstand final after this one. Quite because possible. Because his game is just very consistent, and he can play on all the surfaces. Well, the feel- only problem with him is the grass at the moment. I feel like if Roland Garros, like if, if Rafa, yeah. like,
1: decides to retire, god forbid, ever. Uh and that seems like the natural progression is he will look to try and take that, yeah. that Roland Garros title at some point. And I I will say, it, I'll put it out there, I think Rude will win Roland Garros at least once.
0: Yeah, we've got Liam in saying bet just quoting you there saying, I love TFO's whip. Sus. <laughs> I didn't say girth. I
1: said weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Let's move on and see what, what else you've got I'm in the chamber. I just, think this is just one from you for you, isn't it? Yeah, just
1: one for me. I thought this one was a little bit fun. Obviously, we know Rafa is a bit OCD on court, don't we? And we know he likes to line up his water bottles and all of that uh, malarkey. But this one, I just thought. This is Carlos Alcaraz. Everyone says, oh, look, they're the same. Look, he's following in Rafa's footsteps. Well, apparently if Nadal saw this, he'd have a panic attack. And this is Carlos Alcaraz. rackets and all of his clothes, trainers everywhere. I mean, it couldn't be any more different, could it, between the two? So if you want it, if you want to be dispelled that they're the same type of player, they're clearly not, are they? I mean, he's got, other things on his mind than lining up stuff and what he just grab the racket, get on the court, play the tennis and uh entertain.
0: The one thing which I do love about Alcaraz more than Rafa is this actually, which is going to surprise you. Messy. No, not that. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind all of that with Rafa. I think it's quite endearing. That's his the thing. Isn't is. it? It's just very personal to him. The one thing which has always grated on me a little bit over the years is if you watch a Rafa match, there's a lot of the time you're not watching any tennis because for me, it just has take quite a long time Slow, yeah. for him to serve each time. Yeah, he that. does the whole clock down. Yeah, it's great. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And it's, I love it. It's, it's interesting, but there's certain times where a match would be uh, five hours rather than four hours. And it's, you're not, you're seeing the same amount of tennis as what you would see a four hour Carlos Alcaraz match is a five hour raffle one, it seems. And the difference is you get to just see a little bit more tennis because Adikas serves quickly gets it going, we're watching the sport a little bit more and people, I've probably never spoke about that with Rafa, one of my only, not the downsides because still, I would w- rather watch Rafa than any other player yeah, ever and yeah. I don't think anyone can ever take that away from me but no. it is nice to see a young Spaniard take a lot less time than what Rafa Nadal does so that's just my thought on
1: well, I think it's just it's refreshing. We have got some people saying apparently that's TFO's side. Apologies, they were in the same outfit. Yeah, I
0: thought it was. I thought it was TFO's side as well.
1: Oh, all right. Well, maybe I got that wrong then. Yeah. Apologies. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I like what you're saying though about Rafa and the Alcaraz comparison, and the fact that he doesn't take the same amount of time because I think that's what tennis needs. He really does. Yeah. It does need to be sped up. That's what everyone's been calling for in the game. Is for it takes too long tennis some people say alcaraz's 5 hour match didn't take long because he was just like sat standing there waiting for 30 seconds to serve every time it took long because it, it's just an incredible match and you get to, you get more tennis in, in that 5 hour match you don't get all the stop start and all of this type of thing. so and you don't get the I'm, how do i put this without being like a yeah, what rude. Should you say? Yeah, like you don't get rude. Yeah, yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't get like a, all of the controversy around people saying, "Oh well, if you'd have just played normal speed, he, well, Alcaraz does play normal speed. He just plays as fast as he, as he can, and he just will." still get the victory. So you can't take it away from him. There's not going to be as many contentious moments, I feel, in a Carlos Alcaraz match where people are nitpicking on all the little things that he does on the court. I think people just love watching him play tennis. And I think it's so refreshing for yep. tennis. Is it predictions time? Yeah, <laughs> Yes,
0: I was waiting for you to shut up. But you finished. Um, and it is prediction time. We've got the image of the two finalists Battling out for world number one. Who's going to win their first grand slam? Who's going to be world number one at the same time? It's going to be a very sad day for one of them and a very happy day for the other. But I'm just hoping, before we get into the predictions, whoever is to lose this match, they're not too hard on themselves. No, no, no. no. Because it is a big. When you can. The problem is, one of them being offered everything and the other is going to just be very sad because they're not going to have world number one. They're yeah. not going to have. Like, it's, it seems to be the the prize is too extreme. It'd be lot. nice if the if the if the prize wasn't as big as this, but it does make it very exciting for sure.
1: Very much and, so. Um,
0: yeah, let's get into the prediction. Over to you first, Ben. But before you come up with it, I just want to bring up the head-to-head quickly between the two. So they played in Marbella 2021. Alcaraz won straight sets against Rude. They then played in Miami, like we spoke about in the final. Alcaraz won that, straight sets. Um, And they played recently in Hurlingham, which I believe is an exhibition on the grass. And this was a strange one. Rude won straight sets, but... That was a weird one, really. Me. I classify it as a two love record to Alcalaz yeah, yeah. in the head to head without dropping that, a set. And Miami, hurt. the score was 7 5 6 4. And I don't have the clay one up.
1: I don't think you can look too much.
0: Clay was 6 2 6 4, one hour 20. We covered both, though.
1: You got to bear in mind that with all of those, the, the grass one, I'm not even taking to in, into account at all. The other two, exhibition. yeah, the other two surfaces are very slow surfaces as well. We got to take that into account. But Alcalaz yet to drop a set in a competitive environment. And I think he is going to drop a set in this one. I feel that Kasper Rude, like we've just been through, his serving is very good. I think I think Kasper Rude will take a tiebreak set in this final. But ultimately, I don't even think uh, Alcalaz is going to go to five this time. I think it would, that will be all for Rude and Alcalaz will power him off the court. It'll be a close... There'll be a close set. It'll be like a 6-4. Then it'll go like 6-3, six, 6-2, six, something like that. 4-3-2.
0: So to clarify, Alcaraz in four. Yeah. Okay, Ben's gone for Alcaraz in four. I was tempted to do the same, but seeing as every time we've gone for the same prediction, it's never happened and yeah. ruined everything, I will be going for something else. And that may surprise some of you. It's going to be a Carlos Alcaraz straight set victory. I think he gets it done a lot quicker than the last three matches. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, No five sets anymore for Alcaraz. He's not going to reach over 24 hours at the US Open in total this year. And instead, I think we're going to see a really fast first set from him. So a 6-2. We're going to see a tie-break second set and then a 6-4 third set. So that is the prediction. I've even given you my scores and the way I see it going. Alcaraz is going to come out really fast. I watched his post-match interview on the call. And just the way he was talking with confidence, and how he wants to enjoy it more than anything—he's mm. ready for the occasion. He wants to enjoy it. He had a lot of respect for Rude. He's not going to underrate him on the on the court. He's not going to take do this that. easy or lightly. Just listen—he's a model professional. I, I do love him. I'm growing in. I'm growing into a, quite a big mega fan for Alcaraz, Ar- as you can tell. And I just feel that we're going to see some competitive sets after the first but Alcaraz is going to ultimately win this one in straights.
1: Wow. Uh, And somebody big that we should probably give a shout out to, who sort of had a bit of a prediction, didn't he, uh, coming into the tournament? Nick Kyrgios. He said Alcaraz will win the US Open this year. Yeah. So he sort of knows what he's talking about this year. When it comes to tennis as well, he's switched on to the game. Is Nick Kyrgios, despite not even getting there himself, still going to come out? Smelling the roses, having predicted the winner.
0: Well, he's focusing now on the slams, and I think uh Kieros is a really good shot for the Australian Open next year. Yeah, next massively. Slam. Don't yeah. rule him out. Come that's what on. I'm saying. He's hungry and ready to go. I'm excited for but that. But I do agree with him. I think Alcanzar is going to win and be world number one. And it can go to a nicer guy. We've got Gary in who agrees. Saying three sets for Carlos, but more competitive than Ben's prediction. Um, what else we got here? Uh, we've got an Al Capop free one. (laughs) Uh, Sydney going Carlitos wins tomorrow for the number one. But yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there. We've spoken about this match. Make sure to join us for the women's final, which we will be covering tonight on the channel. It's going to be in about two and a half hours' time, so you don't want to miss it. And of course, we will be doing the men's final which we've just done the preview oh for. Word. So let's see how right or wrong we are. Um, and I can't wait. Thank you so much for all of the new fans and subscribers we've gained um, at this US Open. Great to have so many new faces on board. I know we've hit 45,000 recently, which I don't believe we have on there. But thanks, everyone, <laughs> anyway. And maybe close, we can get closer to the 50K very soon. Like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you guys later on.
1: Yeah, will do. Now, time for me to journey home. Uh, we're going to be separated for this, uh, for these finals.
0: Yep, I'm, right. I'm, I'm relieved. Get rid of you. <laughs> right, see you soon.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.